following audio is from Deering Christian Church. Join us Sunday mornings at either 9 or 10.30 a.m. All right, guys, turn to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. This is week number 6 in Hebrews, all right? And it seems to be going fast already, but I think we're going to be here for a while yet. So let's continue to ask God to guide and direct us as we go. If you're, if you're looking up Hebrews in your Bible and you've got a hard copy with you, that's awesome. Love hard copy. All right, it's going to be somewhere close to the end of your Bible. Hebrews chapter 4, you're not sure what that is. Look in the table of contents. It'll put you in the right spot if you've got a phone or a tablet. That's just, well, in my opinion, I like hard copy. But it's good to have something electronic in front of you as well. All right, Um, Hebrews chapter 4. We're going to only bounce to a couple of other places, and we'll only turn to one other place here in a moment. I'm going to tell you that because some of you like to be ahead of the ball game, all right? So if you want to stick a finger or a thumb, now, I'm warning you, it might be a little while before we get there, all right? But if you want to stick a bookmark in Matthew chapter 11, you can do that as well. Um, As we turn to this today, there is going to be a word today that absolutely positively jumps off the pages to me, Um, and it might you as well. Um, It's a four-letter word. A lot of four-letter words out there all that great. This is a good one, all right? Has something to do with vacation. You know what vacation is? Vacation is supposed to be an, an experience of rest. That's what vacation is supposed to be. Now, it, it doesn't always necessarily work that way because you got to work so hard before vacation to get ready for it. And then when you get back, you've got all kinds of work to catch up on that you missed out on while you were gone. It involves sometimes travel, sometimes not, but sometimes it involves a lot of travel. Um, it usually involves at least a level of expense, okay? Um, it's a lot of work. But it's interesting, the family that I grew up in, uh, mom and dad, um, they're here today, and, and the family that I married into, interestingly enough, neither of those families were what you, some of you might call staycationers, all right, where you stay home for vacation, all right, and just get stuff done or just relax or veg out, okay? That, that's, that's not, I'm not saying that's wrong, that's just not the thing that we experienced, so when we went on vacation, now not so much when I was a child, but now as I'm an adult, I learned something. And it leads me to a question. How, when it comes to the end of vacation, how can you be rested and exhausted at the same time? Okay? How is this possible? It's really hard to explain but for me personally, it has a little something to do with the soul. Are you tired today, Darren? You know, I mean, they just took a pretty long vacation, all right? Are you, are you rested? <laughs> all right, forget what he said. That messes up the whole sermon, okay? Uh, if you didn't hear it, I'm not telling you. Okay, right. um, vacation. Now, you're not going to find vacation in the first 10 verses of Hebrews chapter 4, but you might find something that looks a little bit like it. Um, to set us up, though, let's, let's back up just a little bit. The letter written to the Hebrews was written by an author. We're not exactly sure who it was, probably around A.D. 70, somewhere before the end of the first century. Okay, and, and what you have is this author writing to Christians who had a Jewish background. They were Jews. That was their ethnicity 
but their belief system when they were believers in Jesus Christ. Some would call them today Messianic Jews, those who believe in Jesus. But they have that heritage that they grew up with, okay? That's why the letter is called the letter written to the Hebrews. And the whole purpose of this letter is Jesus. I mean, Jesus is in every page, almost every sentence. He is all over it, okay? And the the message in the bigger part is this, Jesus is greater. And what we looked at, he started with Jesus is greater than the angels. Then he moved on, Jesus is greater than Moses. It says Jesus is the speaker, the author and fulfiller of our salvation. So our author says, pay attention to him. Pay more attention and more attention to him. And then last week, what we kind of looked at, and and we'll touch on this a little bit this week, is history and lessons to be learned from history. Learn from the mistakes of those who came before, okay? All of that in mind, when we looked at that specifically last week, let's look at the first two verses. First two verses of Hebrews 4 is kind of a summary of what we looked at last week, all right? I'll explain it to you because it might be a little confusing if if you weren't able to be with us last week. It says this, Therefore, therefore, let us fear if while a promise remains of entering his rest, there's the word I want you to tune into today, any one of you may seem to come short of it. For indeed we have had good news preached to us just as they also, they meaning Israel. More about that in a second. But the word they heard did not profit them because it was not united by faith in those who heard. Before we dive into this four-letter word of rest, let's dive in a little bit in these first two verses of the good news. Okay? The letter written to the Hebrews is all about the gospel. I know you're saying, wait a minute, that's the first part of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We call those the gospels, all right? But the gospel defined by us, by Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 is this. Jesus He was God and he was man, same time. He came, he died, he was buried, and he rose again. And the power that exists through that, that is the gospel. That is our good news. Now, the good news for Israel was this. The first part was they were liberated, they were freed from Egypt. They were in bondage for 400 plus years in Egypt. Moses, God worked through Moses. Moses came, led them out of Egypt. That's the first part of their good news. But the bigger part of it was the land God promised them, Canaan, the promised land. That was their good news. God said, I have a home for you, a home that your forefather Abraham, I promised, would be his descendants' home. And that home is for you. But here's the thing. Us, our good news, the gospel, Jesus Christ. Their good news, the promised land. Those good news is, did, does the hearer no good without the counterpart of that good news? Did you see that there's a counterpart there in verse 2? The counterpart of the good news is this, faith. Or as we talked about last week, more specifically, trust. And here's the deal. An entire generation of Israelites, because they did not trust God. An entire generation of Israelites did not trust God when he said he would lead them into the promised land. They said, no, we can't do it. Their people are way too powerful. And God said, none of you are going to go into it. None. It'll be your children who I will lead into the promised land. You see, they did not trust God at his word. Therefore, the 
the good news did them no good. And our author makes it clear that trust for us, our good news is the gospel. And trust, he makes it so clear that trust remains vital when it comes to our relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay, that's a little bit of a summary of what we looked at last week. Now, let's jump into rest. Here's a question for you. What rest do you take ownership of and protect? Okay? Maybe some of you kind of understand what I'm talking about. When I, I, I'll just give you some examples here. Maybe one, your rest is, is maybe, maybe, maybe time with a good book or your favorite TV show. Okay? It's like this. I mean, you can, talk, you can talk to mom, but you don't talk to her during that show. All right? She's like, look, it's not even an hour. They have, you take the commercials out, it's 44 minutes, child. Okay? 44 minutes. That's all I ask. 44 minutes. Let me watch my show. All right? Okay? Maybe, that, maybe that's you. That's rest for you. Maybe it's, maybe it's rest in a tree stand. I know there's some of you out there that way. In a boat or in a golf cart. I don't know how anything about golf could be compared to rest, but I'm not a golfer, so, okay. Maybe, just maybe, you too like a a good rainy afternoon nap. Maybe, Maybe that's rest to you. Or maybe a summer vacation does mean rest to you. What about this? What about, what about time alone in God's word? Is, is that rest to you? It's interesting, as we look at these next few verses, we're going to see something. God takes ownership of rest. As a matter of fact, he names it, my rest. So let's look to verses 3 through 5. Now, it's going to get a little complicated here just for a moment. We're going to work our way through it, okay? Hebrews 4, 3. For we who have believed enter that rest. Just as he said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has said somewhere concerning the seventh day, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage, they shall not enter my rest. All right. God has taken rest, his rest, and he's labeled it his rest, my rest. And the question is, what does God mean by this? What is this my rest of God? Is it a rest that God gives to his people? Like a rest that like he doesn't like partake in it, he just bestows it on others. Is, is that this rest? Or, or is it a rest that God himself enjoys? That's a good question. Well, let's dig into it a little bit. Here's a question. Look at verse 4. I'll give you a hint. What did God do after creation? He rested. Six days of work. Creation on day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six. What did he do on day seven? He rested. He rested. When did that rest end? Did it end at the end of that day? It's like... Okay, God's done resting. Did it last the last couple of weeks? One interpretation is it lasted three months, and hence we have summer vacation from school now. I didn't know if you knew that or not, but that is biblical. No, I'm just kidding. 
How long did his his rest last? Well, let's dig. Just look. It's interesting what our author is doing here. Our author is writing to Hebrew people who know the Old Testament incredibly well. Okay, and in the last chapter, and he puts some of it into this chapter, he, he's talking and, and, and quoting from the 95th Psalm. Right? And here, in, in these few verses that we just read, he takes the 95th Psalm, and then he's using it as a warning, saying, the 95th Psalm is, do not have hard hearts like those in Israel, and they did not get to go into the promised land. Okay, he's using that, and then he pulls something out of Genesis chapter 2, specifically Genesis 2-2, Genesis 2-2, Sounds funny, 2-2. Okay, sorry, anyway. All right, um, Genesis, the second chapter, verse 2. That sounds a little better. Okay, um, and, and he pulls from that saying that God rested after he created. Now, what does that mean for God's rest? Was it just a period of time? No, that rest of God continues. After all, and we'll dig into this just a little bit more here in a moment, in the 95th Psalm, that psalmist is writing about a rest of God. And now our author's writing about it. So the rest must still be going. Here you go. Let's, let's, let's think about this just for a moment. Jesus was accused quite often of, of working on the Sabbath. Right? You look through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll find some of it in, in every single one, where Jesus would heal people on the Sabbath. His disciples were even accused of working on the Sabbath when they were walking through a field, picking out, picking out grain and eating it. Like, oh, you can't do that. You know, that's work. Okay? And, and Jesus, this is one of the times that he would get most furious with those who opposed him, is, is, is when he's trying to work in this good way on the Sabbath, and they are accusing him of breaking the Sabbath. Jesus gives them a very important lesson. Our author kind of branches off of that a little bit. The end of verse 4 says, God rested on the seventh day from all his works. What works is that that talking about? It's from creation. It's his cosmic creative works. In other words, God was done creating cosmically and he rested from that. That does not mean that God rested from other works work. Jesus says this to his accusers when they come at him on the Sabbath. He says, my father is working and I'm working too. I didn't like that too much. For one thing, he is working on the Sabbath. He's healing people. On top of that, Jesus is saying God is his father and in essence making himself equal to God. And they didn't like that too much. The point Jesus is making here and our author takes and makes is this. God's rest does continue, folks. God is resting now. And his rest is available to his people. All right, verses 6 and 7, we're going to fly through them really quick because it's, again, kind of a look of what we looked at last week. All right, so let's read them very quickly and move on. Verse 6 and 7. Therefore, since it remains... For some to enter it, meaning the rest, and those who formerly had good news preached to them failed to enter because of disobedience. He again fixes a certain day today, saying through David that a long time ago, just as been said before, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And our author throws out another warning there once again. And following that, I think that when we look to this rest 
that we can see that this rest of God is two different types. Two different types of rest. There is a type of rest that can be experienced while at the same time being exhausted. And I'm not talking about vacation anymore. Being exhausted and being fully rested at the same time. Have you ever heard that something about those who sleep good have something? Clear conscience, something along those lines, you know. Let's look at verse 8. It says, for if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day after that. Okay, understand something. We spent last week talking about the generation that did not make it into the promised land because they did not trust God. There was a generation that followed that did. Now, Moses didn't lead them into it. Moses was forbidden to enter the promised land as well for a whole different reason. Disobedience. But that's not the point. This next generation did go did occupy, did conquer the promised land, following God into there, also following God's servant, a guy named Joshua, okay? And they got the promised land. They got the rest. It's like they entered it. They did it. So there must be still another rest that remains. That happened a long time ago, even for the people that our author is writing to. So what is this rest he's talking about? Verse 9. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. Guys, understand something. Because of the the controversy surrounding the Sabbath during Jesus' ministry and because of the teaching we have from that, Do not misunderstand what our author is talking about here. Our author is not talking about an old system and a day of the week. When he says there is a Sabbath rest that remains for the people of God. There remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. He's not talking about a day of the week. He's talking about something entirely different. Verse 10 goes on to say that when we rest from our work on this earth, it is then that we will rest. You see what he's saying here? Heaven is the rest for the people of God. The question that I have, because my mind tends to focus, and I'm not saying this is a good thing, on the here and now more than on the what is to come. And my question is this, what about now? What about rest now? Because what did it say in verse 3? For we who have believed will enter that rest. Is that what it says? No. It says we who have believed enter that. The rest that is coming for God's people, for us, heaven, and a mindset focused on heaven changes everything, people. 
This is the same author in the letter of Hebrews that will talk about hope and talk about it in such a way of saying this, it is an anchor for our souls. Yes, there is a rest that is to be experienced in this life. And it has to do with the life to come, the Sabbath, heaven, and the hope that we have of heaven. But I do believe there is also a second type of rest. And for a moment, we're going to leave Hebrews chapter 4 and turn to Matthew chapter 11. All right, I told you you can mark it if you want, but I didn't mark mine. So give me just a second here to get to it. First book in our New Testament. It's interesting. This is written at a time that's really, Jesus has said some pretty harsh things. There were some, there were some towns, some cities around that had been unrepentant, um, even though he had come and worked incredible signs in them, and they, 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 they were unrepentant, and he was like, man, he's woe on you, okay? So it's not a real chipper time of him talking about things. And then, though, he, he starts pointing towards something that is so incredibly valuable for the people he spoke to in that day and for us yet today. And some of you probably already have the last three verses of Matthew 11 highlighted or underlined in your Bible. If you don't, it'd be a good one. Because it's good stuff. When Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and heaven laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And what we have here, what Jesus does in in this amazing, this amazing thing that he said is he pairs two things that aren't typically paired together. Rest. And work. Now, don't get me wrong. They are paired together. They just aren't put in the same time period most times. It's like, I work, then I rest, then I work, then I rest. I, I work so I can rest, and then I rest so I can go back to work. And then guess what? I do it again, and again, and again, and again. And they always follow each other, but it's not that often that they are like at the same time. Work. And rest. Because when Jesus is talking about a yoke, he's talking, folks, he's talking about work here, okay? He says, take my yoke upon you. And then he gets to talking about this yoke. He says, for my yoke is easy. Do not misunderstand. Some of you might be, well, I'll tell you what. I I became a follower of Jesus quite a while back, and man, things are good. They're not easy. Is this like a misquote here or something? What, what that means literally in the Greek language is my yoke is appropriate. My yoke is well fit. Let me put it another way. My yoke you were made for. You see, the yoke he's referring to isn't, isn't like one of these single yoke 
things. And I know we use tractors now. We don't use oxen anymore. I think majority of us. Okay, so so um, uh, this is a little different. So it's not like it's not like a yoke that that only one one beast of burden is tied to. It's a yoke that two are tied to. And what does Jesus say? Take whose yoke upon you? My yoke. And what it means is this. Jesus' invitation is an invitation to work with him. A work that we were made for. And when we work with him in that way, we will be rested and exhausted at the same time. In this life. You know something? Our world is pretty good at exhausted. I would, have, I, I would say that, that that word right there is probably a regular part of most people's in this room's vocabulary. I'm exhausted. Okay, matter of fact, um, when our girls were a little itty-bitty, okay, I, this, this completely befuddled them. They, they, they'd look at me really, really weird and because i say, I'm pooped, okay? And they're just like looking. Say, okay, let me explain this, girls. I'm tired. Okay, Dad. <laughs> so maybe you have a different word for it, but I have a feeling that you, if you're a person living in this world, you, you, you know exhausted. Our world knows exhausted. I'm exhausted. It's been a long week. I'm exhausted. It's been a long weekend. <laughs> I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. You know what our world is not very good at? Rested. It's just not. See, unfortunately, in our world, many people never find a work that fulfills. And I'm not talking about a paycheck. I'm talking about a work that is much bigger than this world. A work that has eternal purpose. And unfortunately, so many in this world never find. And unfortunately, some people, thinking they're in the family of God, never find it either. A work that has eternal purpose. How do you want to leave this world? Do you want to leave this world rested? Or do you want to leave this world thoroughly and completely worn out? Why choose? Why not have both? You see, rested because of the hope that is before us. I cannot think of a better thing to do for the people that you love than to leave this world and leave them rested because they have hope that they're going to see you again in God's glorious kingdom, the eternal one that will be fulfilled completely one day. That is the best thing, best gift you can ever get in your family. Forget the, forget the inheritances. They're just going to blow them on junk anyway, all right? 
given something eternal. Hope. So when they shed tears, they will shed those tears with hope, not with despair. So I want to leave this world rested, but I'll tell you what. What about leaving this world completely 100% used up by God for his purposes? It's camp season, folks. As JB has already talked about, we'll be talking about in the weeks to come as well. I can tell you what, it is, it is an incredible privilege to, to be able to serve at a church where my, my children get to attend the same camp that I attended when I was a young person. And I, 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 I grew up from, back then they didn't have overnight or first grade, started with get acquainted camp in third grade. And man, I was waiting, chomping at the bit to get out there. And I went all the way. My senior year, I went twice. I went to, I went to the first high school camp and the second one because I knew that this is it, man. This is it. I was like, it's over. It's done with. Man, life's downhill from here, you know? I, I would come back from those camps exhausted, pooped. All right, I would, but I would come back and, and I would be a little bit down as well because, because even as like a sixth grader, I was like, well, got to go back to the real world. You know, there's truth to that. Because even as a sixth grader, there's something amazing about being in a place where the distractions are removed. And you're with like-minded people. And you don't, Receive discouragement for doing what's right, but encouragement. And I thought, man, it can never get any better than this. But guess what? Then I started going out to camp a few years later as a sponsor. And a faculty person, family leader, recreation director, you name it. And then eventually stepping into roles of, as the dean of camps. And that's when I realized... That camp is better now than it was when I was a student. Because I get to spend a week with young people. And the purpose is nothing else than having fun, loving on them, and leading them to Jesus. And I still come back exhausted. but rested. Because I can look back upon that week and say, it mattered. And then it hits me. You know, that's how the Holy Spirit works. Holy Spirit is not a wielder of a feather. A Holy Spirit wields a sledgehammer, okay? And the Holy Spirit hits me straight upside the face and says, why isn't the rest of your life like that? Having fun with people. Yeah, part of life is having fun, folks. Loving on people and leading them to Jesus. It shouldn't be camp. It should be life. Do you want 
to be rested and exhausted when you leave this world. Rested because you know where you're going. Exhausted because you have asked God every day and he answered the prayer. And the prayer is this, God use me for your glory and your kingdom. Today and tomorrow and every day until you call me home. That's life with rest. It's what our author, at the bidding of the Holy Spirit, wants us to have.